0: I'm starting to think that maybe we should do a potluck thing.
1: Potluck, potluck.
0: The potluck is going really great. A potluck, seriously, seriously. This is The Incredible Inman's Pop Culture Potluck.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Pop Culture Potluck. Uh, My name's David Inman, and with me today, as he is pretty often, is my brother Steve. Hi, Steve. Hello, David. And uh, today we wanted to talk a little bit about, and it's a broad subject, so it may be longer than a little bit, but we want to talk about the cartoons and the kid shows that we watched when we were we're baby boomers, just to give you an indication of that, and... uh, um, You know, and I started kind of organizing this and trying to think of like the first cartoons I would have remembered seeing on TV. And probably when we were kids, the local stations would buy packages of cartoons from like, you know, Warner Brothers and uh, Paramount did Popeye, and uh, Paramount also did the Harvey cartoons like Casper the Friendly Ghost. And so the local stations in every city would run. Those cartoons, and a lot of them were made uh, for, for movies, uh, theaters in the 1930s and 40s. And so, as kids, we would watch them and not always get the references that people were talking about. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I, I didn't understand half of what I saw. I just knew it was funny. Yeah. There was a lot of physical comedy and, uh, you know, kind of the, what a cartoon is. It's, it was, although I don't know if it was specifically catered to kids kids liked it but i'm sure that when our parents saw it they probably yeah got some of the references
1: i think so and and, i mean especially the warner brothers cartoons i think were were aimed you know for an adult audience but also yeah the pop culture references you know when you're six years old and somebody's talking about like hitler or you know (laughs) it's just like i mean obviously i later figured that out as did everybody who watched them but when you're a kid you're just looking at the goofy stuff and you're not really paying attention to the pop culture. But I I like those cartoons for that reason. They really do kind of uh, are indications of the time, uh, you know, and the jokes involved, do involve, you know, the Depression or World War II or or whatever. And so I kind of like that part of it.
2: Yeah. I I think, um, I mean, there's the obvious um, cartoons that everybody of our generation loved and they were great cartoons and that's the, the the warner brothers the bugs bunny that whole uh group i mean those those are the most well known and really for good reason they were great cartoons and they were hilarious mm-hmm. and they had somebody like Mel blank doing most of the voices and he's legendary but there was a there was a lot of other stuff that was out there a
1: little more obscure so what's your earliest memory of a of a cartoon that you can think of
2: I, I'm not. I'm not sure that this is exact, but as best I can remember, it was Tom Terrific.
0: Terrytoons presents <laughs> the real great adventures of me, Tom Terrific, with mighty Manfred the Wonder Dog.
2: Uh, and then he was a part of. Um, captain kangaroo which mm-hmm. we always watched mm-hmm. um but it was uh, it was unusual it wasn't it wasn't like in technicolor or anything like that yeah it was very it, it, as i said it was like an etch-a-sketch somebody recording uh, somebody drawing a picture on an etch-a-sketch mm-hmm. uh it was very minimal uh not not a not a reflection of the cartoons at that at that time in the early 60s or so and uh, yeah.
1: And they were you know, and it was it was almost like they kind of were making up the story as they would go along. Yeah. And you know it's funny that you mentioned that because Captain Kangaroo had another uh cartoon that was on for a while. Do you remember Fred? Yes. Yes. On like channel 1. So the captain would turn on the TV and Fred would be on the screen and he was looked like a balloon with feet. Yes. And uh they just I mean he didn't really do anything. They just kind of talked and went back and forth about stuff but it's funny that you tom terrific reminds me of of that that uh, fred um and you know something else that i kind of learned by accident by watching a lot of these cartoons was i learned about classical music of all things because some of these cartoons use that and the one that really vividly sticks out in my mind is that there's a there's a Casper the Friendly Ghost cartoon where he decides that he's going to finish the Unfinished Symphony. Mm. And so, of course, the cartoon includes like the Unfinished Symphony and then Casper thinks of ways to end it. But because of that, it's funny. I mean, like, I don't know, when I was in my mid-20s, I was listening to a classical music station and the, the song sounded really familiar. And I turned to my wife and I said, that's the Unfinished Symphony. She's like, how do you know that? Because I'm not a classical music expert, but it was because of Casper.
2: Well, that, I mean, that was my first exposure to classical music, too. I just thought it was music that they created to go on cartoons. (laughs) I didn't know it was normal people listen to.
1: And really, Warner Brothers was really the best at kind of, there are a couple of really good cartoons that incorporate, um, there's The Rabbit of Seville, where... So next. He does The Barber of Seville, and there's uh, Rhapsody Rabbit, where he's like the conductor of the, uh, which I think includes Tales of the Vienna Woods. Every song they play has like a little, it's like what, what Walt Disney did in Fantasia, but it's a little uh, more irreverent, I guess. Yeah. But uh, What's Opera Doc? You know, they really based cartoons around like works of classical music, and, and they're, they're pretty amazing.
2: I think that um, there were a lot of um, there there was a lot of uh, classical music that was used in, in a lot of uh, different cartoons. but I think that I, I'm not going back to the Captain Kangaroo reference that you were talking about a second ago. Um, I think that cartoons were such a big part of the kit of kids' worlds at that time. Mm-hmm. they probably thought, we need to come up with a cartoon. What what can we do to, to make it on our show so the kids will watch it because that's what they want to watch. But there was a lot of things like that. Okay, if, if cartoons is a big deal, we need to make it part of our... I'm sure there were other shows that sort of had tag-along cartoons at the end of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm sure you, since you are the incredible one and you know a lot about TV, there were many shows that would make cartoons or, or create some sort of cartoon and put at the tail end of their show, yeah. Such as,
1: well, you talking about T Bar V, or you talking? Well, just about... any any
2: show, any oh, okay. show. Okay.
1: Well, yeah. What what happened was Hanna Barbera, you know, was were the ones who really figured out that there was a market in making cartoons specifically for TV, and that was in like 1957 with Rough and Ready, uh, and and uh, that was like the first actual cartoon show made for tv but i want to go back for a second to the warner brothers cartoons and the popeye popeye was where i first heard the song the man on the flying trapeze Mm -hmm. there's a great cartoon with that in it but one of the ways that we saw those where we grew up was in a daily kids show called t bar v ranch right and i wanted to talk about that for a minute because it was again like a lot of shows in a lot of cities but if it was your birthday and you were a kid, you could be on T-Bar-V, and you would wave, uh, you know, to everybody watching at home, mom and dad and everybody in the neighborhood. And you, you we both went on there.
2: Yes, we did. Memorable. Yeah? Memorable experiences. I can't remember a thing about it, but I'm just saying it was memorable.
1: <laughs> well, but, but I guess every major metropolitan city had something yeah, like something that. something like that, they? sure. Yeah. And it was really, you know, interactive TV, really, even before that that word had been created, but uh, because you were kind of a celebrity in your neighborhood for the day. And the big story in our family about you was that you kids would go on dressed in cowboy outfits because that was kind of the theme of the show was kind of a Western set. And the hosts were a singing cowboy and his kind of sidekick, kind of like a Gabby Hayes kind of character who told jokes, but you went on in a cowboy outfit as most kids did. And when, the host Randy asked you where you got your outfit. Remember what you said? I do not remember oh. what I said. You said Woolworths. Okay, so <laughs> that's where all the cowboys shop. <laughs> but, I'm just being
2: honest. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it was fine.
1: Afford. It was cute. Yeah, that's yeah right. <laughs> so, uh, but it's it is funny. I remember I remember going up the giant freight elevator at the TV station mm-hmm. to be on TV, and there was a kid there who for whatever reason was upset and he wouldn't quit crying before the show was going to go on. And finally, they gave him coke to calm him down and the rest of his to kids calm were like him down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the rest of his kids are like we didn't get coke, you know, maybe we should start screaming. <laughs> but fortunately the show went on before that could happen, but uh TRV was just it was a really cool Thing And and kids in this city of Louisville who remember it have very warm memories of it. And if you grew up, you know, Cincinnati had Uncle Al, Mm -hmm. and uh, Chicago had Bozo the Clown, and, and New York had Wonderama and all this. And, you know, so every city had that kind of thing. But it was just... It was a combination of cartoons and kids having birthdays or being in the audience and be, getting to play games and stuff like that. So that was kind of a cool yeah. part of growing up that doesn't seem to be around anymore.
2: So uh, one of the things I noticed about, about cartoons specifically was, as I did a little bit of research, because I can't remember everything, but uh, there were in the 40s, uh, Warner Brothers, or I guess it was Looney Tunes, did this. They had uh, a few cartoons, and I don't know how many. But they would have uh, caricature, cartoon characters of Clark Gable and Bing Crosby mm-hmm. and uh, James Cagney and those sort of things. And I'm thinking, why would kids? They first, they may not even know who they are. Right. I didn't know who half of them were when yeah. I watched it. Yeah. But so it's just it's funny the way they did that because you know they had, at some point they had to say, well, the parents will see this, they'll know who we're talking about. Because <laughs> I, I don't know if the kids really understood it or not. Right. But that that just my point was, you know, they sort of created a cartoon that was um, a, sort of a reflection of the culture. Mm-hmm. This is a big deal, you know, uh, a cartoon of a red carpet uh, at an Oscar uh, presentation, things of that nature. Yeah. You just think, that, that stuff, they don't put that
0: stuff on cartoons. <laughs>
1: yeah, days, that right? was definitely 8 adults. adults. but it's, you know, it's funny, I have this one memory of... Uh, uh, there was a well. First of all, Warner Brothers did they did a series of cartoons with two cats who acted like Abbott and Costello. Do you remember that? One was kind of short and dumpy, and one was tall, and they talked just like them. And they were basically ripoffs of Abbott and Costello. And they were what was it called? It, I don't even know if they ever had a name for it, but it was just like you know.
2: Oh, I, yeah, don't wanna yeah, I don't want to do. go. Don't make me yes, go and do
1: yes, this. You yes. know stuff like that. And <laughs> it's funny that because Abbott and Costello were with a different studio, and I wonder if there was legal action or if they maybe they had an arrangement with him. I don't know. But the one I really remember was one where it's in a it's in a barnyard, and the new rooster is Frank Sinatra. out and he starts singing and all the hens who are supposed to be laying eggs are just like oh frankie and like falling off of their perches and stuff like that and yes. it's and if you're a kid you're like this this card what's this cartoon about don't it's it. like a singing rooster yeah so get it. anyway but then you grow up and then you appreciate it you appreciate the physical humor as a kid but there's there's another level that you appreciate the older you get
2: yeah there was a uh... And I've I've got some some notes that that tell me that the, the regular cartoons that we saw didn't necessarily sit down to oh we're going to watch this particular cartoon today right. or whatever if it was on we watched yeah, it right yeah. uh, Popeye was kind of like that I never really I don't watch a Popeye cartoon right it was just there I just watched it yeah, right yeah. and then and that went through different phases too uh, the way it looked uh, the people who did yeah. the voices. Uh, all that sort of thing. The plot was pretty much all the same. Yeah,
1: the the early 30s ones were done by Dave Fleischer, and they were very expressionistic and really pretty funny because Popeye's always kind of muttering under his breath. There's the regular dialogue, and then there's his kind of muttering underneath. And then as they got older, they they were in color and made by a different studio and uh, just weren't as good to me as the 1930s versions were. The other ones were... Louder and and more violent to mm-hmm. me they were anyway. Brutus was a lot bigger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. But we, you know, so then we start getting into the the Saturday morning thing and the and the shows created for TV, like uh, and you know we would get up really early on Saturday morning just because we were kids, and the first thing that was usually on was like Davy and Goliath, mm-hmm. the religious one. The, the yeah, yeah. So. And there would always be, and they were like puppets. They were like animatronic, you know, I'm not sure what they were. I but... don't even know what they were.
2: <laughs> All I know is if, if I had ever seen one, if I knocked on it, it would be hollow. You know, <laughs> you would just, that's just the way they look. But, but, then, I... but, but also, um, when, I don't know if it was necessarily on Saturday morning, I think it may have been, was this cartoon called The Thunderbirds hmm. um, that was, I think it was marionettes. Cause you at, at times oh, you could see the strings yeah. moving the arms and all that sort of thing. I don't know who, I don't
1: know who produced that or who did that. That was a guy named Jerry Anderson. He oh. also did Fireball XL Five. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, another show called Stingray, but all of them were like puppets. And yeah, you could see. I mean, their heads would kind of go back and forth when they weren't supposed to be, and the, and you could see the strings. But it was. It was like all models and all models yeah. and puppets. Yeah, and, and I, that
2: was like advanced, I thought. I didn't yeah, know it. Yeah. I didn't know well,
1: you it. know, it's funny. They all took place in the future. And so there were like rockets or Stingray took place in a submarine. And, you know, everything looked very futuristic and cool. And, and I think that was part of it, too. So, yeah. but yeah, I remember Fireball XL5 was, was on Saturday mornings, um, along with, you know, uh, Heckle and Jekyll. Mighty Mouse, mm-hmm. uh, Sherry Lewis, Sherry Lewis, Lewis. Uh, who didn't? I asked my mom to set a place at the dinner table for her one night just in case That's she might nice come. In. <laughs> she couldn't make it. Yeah. Well, um, Clutch. Remember Clutch Cargo? I do. He was almost
2: like a. Uh, he he could have been if Race Bannon on Johnny Quest ever had to call in sick. <laughs> clutch Cargo, Cargo could have filled in because he was kind of. He was kind of race-banned after he started taking steroids.
1: Yeah. Except that he had, and I don't even know what this was called. It's the only cartoon I've ever seen with it. They gave them human mouths. And yes. if you And there's a clip in the movie Pulp Fiction, a clutch cargo clip, If you've, or you can probably just see it on YouTube. But it was like a cartoon face, but then under the nose was just a big chin and then you would and then they would superimpose somebody's mouth and to make it stand out in black and white they put white makeup on the face and lipstick on the so clutch cargo looked like he had lipstick on all the time but his and his mouth moved realistically and so real dialogue came out of it but I, it was a weird combination of stuff
2: now is the, are you are you speaking of uh, similar to the Spongebob opening where they have the pirates saying, hey, kids. Oh, yeah, it's, it's exactly like kind of that. Thing, right? yeah, yeah, you're right.
1: Okay. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, it's exactly the same kind of thing. And probably a, a homage to Clutch Cargo. But uh, I also see you've got, and you mentioned Race Bannon, you've got yeah. Johnny Quest written down yeah, here. That, that show, show scared me to death. Really? Yes. I... Mm. <laughs>
2: Was it Bandit the dog, or
1: was it? It was Coddy, just all or? of the villain. You know, there was. There's one episode where they go to this castle. Oh yes. that's got gargoyles all around yes. it, and one of the gargoyles is alive. And then there's one with like a spaceship that lands with like it looks like a giant eight ball gets out, and yes. then legs stick out of
2: it. It's like a spider, and they turn- yeah yes.
1: And I would. <laughs> Johnny Quest was originally on at prime time. It wasn't on Saturday mornings until later. It was on Friday nights. And I would remember, I was about seven, and I would make sure to go to the bathroom before Johnny Quest
2: because
1: because there was no way I was going to the bathroom by myself while Johnny Quest was on. Smart guy. And, you know, it. I always watched it. I never, like, turned it off. But there was just, there was stuff in there that was that was scary to me.
2: If you if you uh, look on YouTube, you can watch the intro, which is yeah. the theme song, right? Right. And then, but right underneath that is the outro. So here's a bunch of highlights, you know, with the, all the bad people that have been in every episode. And one of them is the, the ball that comes out with the spider legs, yeah. like antenna, right? And everybody's shooting at it. Nothing yeah. Nothing can ha- Yeah. I can see was, why that
1: was scary. And the end is isn't the ending like they're getting up on a plane to take off and natives are chasing yes. them and throwing spears yes. at them and stuff. Yes. I mean, it yes. was just very it was for to a seven year old it just seemed very yeah. intense because it was just it wasn't a regular cartoon. It was <laughs> it dramatic. was it was serious. I mean yeah. there was yeah. no
2: yucks, it wasn't like Scooby Doo goes to India or something. <laughs> I mean it was serious. Yeah,
1: but that's one that vividly uh, stands out to me.
2: Yeah, and then um, you know, the whole um, Hanna-Barbera, the Quick Draw McGraw, mm-hmm. Top Cat, um, Huckleberry Hound. I mean, there was, I don't even, I'm sure we're missing some, but there was, it seemed like there was uh, all, everything, like, <laughs> the first name was the same, started with the same letter as the last name, you know, <laughs> Silly Steve, Dummy Dave,
0: that sort of or stuff. Or Quick right? Draw
1: McGraw, or, or yeah. And yeah. then, well, and those cartoons were everywhere. I mean, they were... On Saturday mornings, local stations would show them like during the day, Uh, and I mean, and they just they were on for like decades, Mm. just all the time, over and over and over again. And yeah, every year Hanna Barbera would come out with new ones, but you know, it was still the. Then they tried to get fancy with like the Banana Splits Hour.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I've got that on my list because that was weird. That whole thing was
1: strange. That was a live action show where four men dressed as gigantic dogs. How do you know they were men? They could have been a woman. Could have been a woman.
2: Yeah. But go ahead.
1: Or no, not a couple of them were dogs. One was an elephant. I don't know. They were all they were animals of some kind, and they sang. They did you know songs, and they had a whole hour show. And within the show were like uh, cartoons, like the Three Musketeers and Danger Island Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was part of when. You know, Saturday morning went like everybody had all the rock groups were on. Like the Beatles had their own cartoon show on ABC, right. which featured actual Beatles songs. Now the voices of the Beatles were provided by other people with English accents. But, that were doing yeah, the character like, like yeah, I'm Paul yeah, I'm Ringo <laughs> just like that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, the Beatles. There was uh, the Archies.
2: Yeah. You know, something interesting about the Archies, there's a, there's almost like a resurgence of popularity with Archie. Are you aware of this?
1: Oh, because of Riverdale? Yes,
2: exactly. There's a, and I heard about this yesterday uh, from a kid that I know. She said, do you ever watch Riverdale? I said, what do you mean Riverdale? She said, oh, it's about, you know, Riverdale is where the Archie went to high school Mm -hmm. or where they're from. I said, yeah, I I know that. (laughs) But then I said, you mean like real people? She said, yeah, it's
1: uh, I think it's on Netflix or wherever it is. I think it's on the CW, too. Okay. Well, but it's, right. yeah, and it's got like supernatural stuff to it and all kinds of stuff. And I yeah. said, so
2: is Reggie <laughs> on it? She said, yeah. Jughead? Yeah. Betty? Veronica? Yeah. So I thought, well, that's <laughs> weird. Why would anybody take a cartoon from that long ago right. and now make it and into updated. a real I know. show? That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, no, yeah. It's just a little different, that's all. Yeah.
1: I can remember the Archie's... Had a record "Sugar Sugar," which was I don't. It was like pretty popular. Big hit, yes. And you could get it if you bought a box of Super Sugar Crisp cereal. The record was on the back. It was like stamped into the cardboard, and yes. you could cut it out and and play it. I do remember that. I do so, too. Yeah. Uh,
2: and I'm and I'm going to tell you who the act was that actually performed the "Sugar Sugar." Yeah. And I just had it. It's gone now. So. <laughs> If I think of it later, I'll add right. it. All right.
1: Wasn't it, was like Cheryl Ladd one of the backup singers or something like that? Or she was the backup singer on some cartoon group. Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, okay. Another uh, group, you know, that, that had a, a show. Frankenstein Jr. and the Impossibles. Uh, I don't remember that. that. That wasn't as popular, but the Impossibles were like a rock group. Frankenstein Junior. was like a crime-fighting robot android something. I don't know. Oh, another one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are a dime a dozen. Yeah. So that yeah, so that was I mean, and then superheroes were also a big trend in the '60s. Yeah. So
2: I can remember also a little later in the '60s, uh, and this was at the time when Bill Cosby was very popular, uh, and he oh, yeah. he came out with Fat Albert, and I don't know what the rest Fat Albert and something. Whatever the that. Cosby
1: kids, yeah. I think,
2: yeah. Yeah, I thought those were funny. Uh, and I got—I was a little older, so I was a little, you know, I get it. I, you know, I, I understood it. I thought it was really something. Um, but because I, I, I remember, because uh, our dad laughed at it, too. He thought it was funny. I think it came on at like 1 o'clock in the It afternoon. was a little later. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that would be basketball or whatever for the day. And I think
1: it won like a Peabody Award or something. Because it was it was an effort to kind of... Tell a story right. with kind of a moral message and, and teach kids and so. Well,
2: with and, but there was nothing with with black kids at that time on TV, right? right. I mean, yeah, for yeah. cartoons and I'm sure he did a lot for, for that for that uh, cause. Of mm-hmm. the day he was the first one to do all that. Yeah. kind of Yeah, yeah. So uh, there was uh, uh, there was a couple that I was going to mention that just kind of stick out. Uh, it the first one is. Um, uh, go, go, gopher. Do you remember Go, Go, gopher?
1: I just remember this theme song Go, go, gophers, watch him go, go, go. Go, go, gophers, watch him go, go, go. Okay,
2: that's good. That's enough. I'm
1: just... It was part of, uh I think they were on with Underdog. Yes, they
2: were. That's where I was headed okay. with that. All right. I thought Underdog was a good cartoon, too. Featuring the, the vocal talents of Wally Cox. Yes, yes. Who you didn't realize was such a great
1: who, voice artist. Right, who uh, we have another podcast about, so you might check that out about his yes. friendship with Marlon Brando. Yes.
2: That, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah.
1: But yeah, Wally Cox, and uh, there was another... Every, cartoons in those days would have, like, the headliner, you know, like Underdog, and then you'd have, like, your supporting cartoons, like, like Go, Go, Gophers. Yes. I remember Georgia the Jungle... Uh, had like was the headliner and then it was like Tom Slick which was about yes, a race car driver right. and then Super Chicken. Yes, which was uh and they were all really funny because they were done by Jay Ward, the guy who did Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yes, that's Yeah. So,
2: yeah. And Rocky and Bullwinkle was another good one. And that had some not mature but just older audience, you know, like the, Right. the the uh, Natasha with the European Yeah flair whatever you want to call it um and the uh, kids i don't think yeah, we really right. get that but it was good and it was funny but but and, and so as we move forward into the the 70s um everything was everything sort of changed because the the cartoons from the 60s to the 70s it seemed like there was they would always sort of push the envelope a little bit further as as time went on mm-hmm. and then uh, audiences were maturing a little bit more. Nothing, nothing to, nothing like stuff that we would see today. Although, cartoons today obviously are a lot different than they oh, were yeah. back in the days when we were watching cartoons. Yeah. I was just thinking as we were getting ready for this. I, I can't think of any cartoons that I've watched within the last ten or fifteen or twenty years that wasn't didn't have some connection to The Simpsons or that whole genre of uh, cartoons, you know, like the, a family guy. And, mm-hmm. um,
1: Bob's Burger. All and... those,
2: all those people. It seems like they all have got some sort of connection to The Simpsons, which started in...
1: 1990. <laughs> which is so hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, now, I will say this. I have three granddaughters, and so you do get an introduction to, like, Sophia the First, which is on Disney, and it's on Netflix, and there are still cartoons out there that are exclusively aimed at, at kids mm-hmm. but uh, you're right i mean primetime has more animated shows in it i think probably than it ever has and they're definitely for more mature audiences so yeah.
2: and, and the the um, Seth MacFarlane uh, you know he's a he's a voice guy really i mean he's mm-hmm. got a million voices mm-hmm. um, and the and the simpsons part of their the reason it works, I think, other than the stories, which are very well written, is the, is the, the different characters and the voices that Dan, uh, what's his name, you that know, does... Castellaneta, yeah. Homer Smith, Yardley Smith, mm-hmm. Hank Azaria, those people are just... Yeah. I mean, those are uh, those are awesome. I think they're great. Uh, but my point is, there was a big change in that 20 to 30 years. I, I'm sure that a lot of it... I'm in, I know that we talked about a minute ago, Ren and Stimpy.
0: Mm-hmm. which was
2: a sort of extreme yeah. uh, example of a cartoon, and you either loved it or hated it, I think. And, and, and I just thought that it was different, because I'd never seen, you know, I'd never seen in a cartoon someone getting their teeth knocked out <laughs> and then have the nerves hanging out and throbbing. You know what I mean? That graphic, and it right, wasn't and graphic, it's, but the detail. No, details, but it's definitely, it's like, yeah, oh my
1: cartoon gosh. violence on the yes, next level. Yes. yeah.
2: Which I think is funny.
1: You know, the shows that I have a lot of affection for are the, two of them that come to mind are the Jap- Japanese cartoons that were imported to the United States in the late 60s, and one was The Eighth Man. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. I could sing the theme song to that one, too, okay. but I won't. Um, there's a prehistoric monster who I came from out outer Mars. space, developed by the marshes to destroy the human race. Ahead, Joel, the I'm FBI is helpless. He's right? 20 stories tall. What can we do? Can we go? So the eighth man... Wait a minute, where did the eighth man come in? that? sorry, he, I didn't hear that. Called Tobor, the eighth man. Tobor was robot spelled backwards. That you didn't uh, know oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course I did. <laughs> and he was, and the eighth man was, he was a police officer. I don't know if he was the eighth person. They tried this on and never worked on. <laughs> we finally got it. <laughs> So he was a robot and a police officer, and in the original version, when it was aired in Japan, he got his power through these white cylinders that looked a lot like cigarettes. And when it I think by the time it came to America, they had taken that part out because they thought kids didn't need to see like somebody smoking and then flying. <laughs> hey, look, he's got one. Dad uses one of those. <laughs> yeah. So the Eighth Man is another one and Speed Racer is the oh, other yeah. one, yeah. which, uh, you know, it, it, I like the mismatched, you know, they're, they're moving their mouths and only saying one word <laughs> or the sound effects are, are a little bit weird. And, and uh, so I really, I really like those a lot.
2: So, so there was one other that I was thinking of when you said uh, Japanese import, and that was Ultraman, oh. right? <laughs> yeah. The same, the same, I mean, the same thing They you would hear somebody talking or you would see somebody's mouth moving and nothing was coming out. And so you just sort of <laughs> thought, so what is it about Japanese
1: animation I I, that's so... Well, in Ultraman was live action. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, But so it was just badly dubbed Japanese people Terrible. instead of badly dubbed cartoon characters. But I don't know. There must, clearly there's, you know, they have three words for we having one word or something there's just a basic mismatch of those but
2: are, are there any other good um foreign countries that that did cartoons better than we did or at least Yeah, that's a
1: really good question i like
2: and... did korea have really good cartoons and we just never imported them or we were going to or and we were mad at them <laughs> yeah singapore or i mean i don't really yeah
1: get that. i i not that i know of i mean i'm sure somebody could set me straight and i'm sure now it's a lot different than it was in the in the 60s and 70s but for some reason japanese they were doing it and uh you know i never saw any german shows that were dubbed into english or you know british i don't think animation was as strong over in england as as it was in america it was so strong because there was a market for it in tv i mean you you know Hanna-Barbera again, just creating one series after another after another. I mean, dominating the Saturday morning schedules for, Mm -hmm. you know, 15 years.
2: I remember uh, when we were were kids, we went to uh, a local amusement park, and they had uh, a part of the park called Hanna-Barbera Land.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I thought...
2: That's where they make the cartoons, right? <laughs> That's where Wally Gator's dressing room is and you know, quick draw McGraw's horse and I, I really thought that that was it. We had just yeah, we thought we'd stop by there and watch them make some cartoons. Yeah. It was not
1: what it was. It was it was, was a, a, like, a stinking roller coaster. Big deal. Who cares? Is it still there? This is at King's Island. Yes, it is. Is King's Island still there? No, it's the happy land of Hanna Barbera still there? I, I, don't, I don't know. Don't, I don't have it been there in a while. Are either are
2: either one of those guys still living? Think so? No,
1: no. They had started out uh, working for MGM back in the '30s and '40s, and did like Tom and Jerry cartoons. And then, you know, then they got into TV production in the 1950s. But I think they're both uh, they're both gone.
2: Do we know what the first cartoon it had to be a Mickey Mouse?
1: Cartoon uh, oh, of some like sort of, right? ever? Um, yeah. I mean, it was a silent one, and it was. You know there were producers who were doing it. There was a series called Out of the Inkwell, which was from the 1920s. Uh, oh, uh, Windsor McKay, Gertie the dinosaur, and that was like 1903. Wow! That's and so it was, yeah. You know but it was, uh, and you know, really, really primitive. But um, I think that was the first actual animated. Thing, so. so
2: when was the steamship Willie and all that? Steamboat Willie was 1928.
1: He, steamship Willie, <laughs> <laughs> 1928, and Disney had been making cartoons before that, but that was the first sound cartoon. Okay. And uh, um, and he had you know gone with Mickey Mouse. I think Mickey Mouse had been created not too long before that. Yeah. Well, first it was uh, Oswald the Duck. That was, but. He didn't catch on. He didn't make it. A, yeah. So, but Mickey Mouse.
2: What... What? Um, so, you know, you, you can't really talk about cartoons from that era without giving some um, time to Mel Blanc. Yeah. And, and the the voices that he did. And he was really... Um, I mean, he was... There wasn't anybody even close to him, no. I never thought, no.
1: right? he was. Well, he was. Think of who he was. He was Bugs Bunny. He yeah. was Daffy Duck. He was Porky Pig. Sylvester. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think he was Tweety Bird too.
2: Yes, he was. Or, or yes, I think he was.
1: And uh, yeah, I mean, he was a one man, you know. And he and he hated carrots. So in the studio, <laughs> he would he would chomp on carrots as Bugs Bunny, and then like they'd have a bowl there for him to spit them out into. Really. Yeah.
2: Oh my Which you never heard. Either. No, I, you didn't that's hear Bugs Bunny like <laughs> Yeah, right. behind the scenes. Yeah. So he, but he started with Jack Benny. Yeah. Is that right? But it, but it wasn't necessarily about. I mean, he didn't do it as a voice actor. He was a legit actor, wasn't he? He did, did
1: animals was? at first. So like okay. any time there was a dog, or and then there was a time on his radio show where Jack Benny had a polar bear named Carmichael, and this is like 1939. And he started doing the voice, the the you know, kind of the big bearish sound of Carmichael. It yeah. started that way. So
2: The only thing that, that I've seen on YouTube with Mel Blank and Jack Benny was the character that Mel Blank played. It was a and you you know, some of the things that they did and got away with back in those days. Yeah, yeah. It, you'd never do it, you know. Right, yeah. Like he was he was playing the part of somebody, obviously a Mexican yeah. with a poncho around one shoulder shoulder and Every answer to Jack Benny's questions was C, right? And it yep. just—it was just ridiculous. I mean, it was—it was very well done uh, by both of them, really. Yeah. Uh, but I never knew that that's how he sort of got started. I can't imagine that all of a sudden somebody came along from Warner Brothers and said, "Hey, we're thinking about some cartoons. <laughs> what, 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 are you
1: up for that?" Let's no? get that guy who does the polar bear on the Jack Benny show. <laughs>
2: Well, he obviously had a voice that could be spotted a mile away, right? Right. Yeah you, could, yeah. you know the tone, and he smoked. You know he had a habit to upkeep and all that sort of yeah, thing too. Yeah. So, uh,
1: no, he was. I mean, he was just amazingly versatile, and he he really was the. You know, there were a lot of different directors and writers on those cartoons, but he was he was kind of the the constant in all of those, and and uh, and then the voice of Barney Rubble. Yes. You know and. Uh, There was no limit to his... uh...
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, if you think about it... So I I saw an interview with Hank Azaria uh, Mm -hmm. from The Simpsons, who I think is also really good. Yeah, And he was talking about Mel Blanc, and he said there was one one episode that they did in a cartoon where he was actually trying to do... um, uh, It would have been Sylvester doing an impression of Daffy Duck. Or Daffy Duck doing an impression of Sylvester, you know. He said, "How do you do that?" And he yeah. said, "He just did it beautifully, you know." Yeah. Uh, but he said that that he was just so underrated and so good at what he did. And yeah. All that sort of thing. Which the, he was. And
1: the funny thing is, oh, in like 1946, they gave him his own show, and it was going to be a big deal. And it had failed after a season because he was he was one of those people who was better in support of somebody else mm. than doing the the only time. I've listened to the show before and the only funny episode is where he he is supposed to deliver a radio to his girlfriend's father and he trips and breaks it and so he gets behind the radio and he impersonates all the voices that the guy would hear on the radio My and which guys. is and so that's putting his kind of natural ability to work and it's and it's good but in the context of just he was he like ran a fix-it shop and he was and it was just it wasn't very good. Yeah. So but he was great in supporting People, especially in in people like Jack Benny, who really saw what he could do and appreciated it. So Jack Benny
2: was almost like part talent scout. You know, yeah. he had this knack for finding people finding who, people that were either funny or talented in some way or, or whatever. I mean,
1: yeah, he's I'm a big big fan of Jack Benny on the radio. Not as much on TV. I, I think there's some good TV, but the radio show was really much more creative and called on you to kind of imagine things in your mind. And mm-hmm. they did a lot of gags that you couldn't do on TV because, mm-hmm. you know, they just wouldn't have worked. Like having a polar bear for a pet would not have worked on TV. It would have been really hard to do. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. And I, and I think that, um, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to get too far off track here, but the whole Jack Benny thing, I, I would think that when TV came along, it, it may have um, – it may have intimidated him a little bit, mm-hmm. not necessarily, mm-hmm. but kind of scared him. But, oh, man, I'm not sure if what I do can translate to TV. It did, but I think if he had a preference, he probably wanted to stay on the radio. Yeah.
1: Well, it was a lot easier. But he developed a whole set of mannerisms for TV that he never had on the radio. Mm-hmm. You know, he would look into the camera and just, they. he just kind of developed a whole new Way of doing a show because some comedians did not make the transition from radio to TV, but yeah. and he took his time. At first, he only did like one TV show a month, and could get away with it because he was still on the radio. But eventually, he he got to a weekly series. But it really was a kind of creating a lot of new mannerisms and a lot of new ways mm-hmm. of, of doing the show that you couldn't do on the radio. So it's almost like
2: he had to become another character or something. Yeah, sort, yeah, right?
1: exactly. Yeah. So. But that's uh, uh, yeah, I could talk all day about him. I think he was really, yes, really I great. Agree. So, and he did a cartoon to bring us full circle. Nice. Do you remember the? Uh, there's a cartoon where he, it opens with him playing himself, and then he falls asleep and has a dream where he is a mouse, who's taking uh, Mary Livingston, who was his radio sidekick, and his wife in real life, to a nightclub. And they go to a nightclub that's really a cat. A cat opens its yes, mouth and yes, puts an awning yes, in front yes, of it and yes. poses the nightclub, and they go inside and can't get out. And then Jack Benny wakes up and, and oh my god! So it was. I, I think do he, remember that. yeah. I mean, it's it was probably made in the late fifties, but uh, uh, it's a fitting conclusion because it was a Warner Brothers cartoon and really one of the few Warner Brothers cartoons that combine live action and animation because that was pretty expensive. Mm. And uh, so
2: I'm sure that the networks or, you know, places would go out and say, let's see, we can get a cartoon for this or we can do a live action show with
1: this. And see, that's why Hanna-Barbera was so popular, because they kind of cut corners and skimped on. I mean, if you look at a Hanna-Barbera cartoon and a Warner Brothers cartoon from the 30s, they're very different. They're much more cheaply made Mm -hmm. and they don't use as many drawings and, and it was more assembly line stuff and the, movie, the, the cartoons made by the movie studios had much more craftsmanship in them and they had they had more time to do what they needed to do mm-hmm. so those yeah. were the days those were the, the days, days. Yeah. <clears throat> all right so what else we got schoolhouse rock
0: Junction, Junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. Conjunction, Junction, how's that function? I got three favorite cars that get most of my job done. Conjunction, Junction,
2: what's their function? Yes. I think that's a brilliant idea. I don't, Somebody at ABC, I guess, came up with it. Uh, but it's. Uh, I'm not going to sing any of them. But I think it was just a great idea.
1: And they got great performers. You know, Jack Sheldon uh, (laughs) did Conjunction Junction. And uh, there was a a jazz singer in New York named Blossom Deary. And she had a really high, light voice. And she did the one I remember, Figure Eight. And it's about a little girl who's ice skating and making figure eights. tune and then but the voice talent just really kind of tops it off and makes it really cool
2: wow but see some people don't know who jack sheldon is yeah right and he was if you don't know he um he was the first trumpet player in the merv griffin orchestra Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day and as is the case with most musicians they're they're funny people yeah and so Merv Griffin would just sort of have Jack stand up and say, hey, Jack, how was your weekend? Or whatever. And they would just do however many minutes or so. But he had a a unique voice. It was almost like a Louis Armstrong kind Mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. um, But a white Louis Armstrong. Uh, But it was unique, and he could sing a little bit. Um, And I'm not sure that he was sober every
1: The Legend was he was a big pot smoker. Really? Yeah. So that was that. I think that accounted for a lot of. But he was like, like Doc Severinsen and Johnny Carson. Yeah, there you go. He was kind of like the Doc Severinsen on the Merv Griffin show. Yeah. <laughs> but he was a great musician and and a good singer, an arranger, and all kinds of stuff. But that conjunction junction is still one of my and I could say I'm not gonna sing, but it. I. You've
2: already done two numbers <laughs> here today on the show. I don't like. This I don't. That you're I, doing all, the all right, singing,
1: fine. Next time we'll have to do. He, he was a
2: unique guy, and um, I, and I do remember. And there was seemed like there was somebody else that did something on Schoolhouse Rock that I'm not going to remember right now. But anyway, there was a bunch of yeah Don McLean or somebody like that. Maybe I don't know. What year was was uh, Schoolhouse Rock? Was that in the seventies?
1: It was like early 71, 72, something like that. It went. Then it became like Multiplication Rock and Grammar Rock and yes, a couple other things, yes. and and. You know, really ran off and on until the late 70s, and we, I used to play the, uh, there was a CD just of the music that I would play for my kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the, the cartoons didn't go along with it, but it didn't matter, because the music was always really good, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, there's uh, other cartoons that we watched, (laughs) but also, between the two of us, we have five kids. Uh, Isn't it five? No. Yeah.
1: Well, stepson Yeah. six.
2: Um, and so we got to see a lot of the cartoons that they watched, right? And and SpongeBob was one of the biggies, obviously, uh, which I thought was really well done mm-hmm. and funny, and um, it 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 kind of reminds me of the cartoons that we watched. Yeah, uh, that guy just died recently too, right? Stephen, uh, can think of his last? The name. creator of the show? Yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: I didn't know that. Yeah, wow.
2: But anyway, I think it's a really good uh, cartoon and funny. And there's a yeah whole new and, and my
1: there. yeah and my kids and I used to really like hey Arnold which was on Nickelodeon too and they watched Rugrats and all those shows that you know for a while it was like the net the major networks went out of the cartoon business and Nickelodeon kind of stepped in especially mm-hmm. where where kids were concerned and and kind of reached out to them with their original cartoons which I don't think that net they do more sitcoms now it seems like than they
2: yeah, sitcoms with young with starists, kids like right? Disney Channel type yeah. sitcoms. Yeah, yeah, so but I'm sure that some. I mean, I'm sure I'm just not aware of them. I'm sure there's cartoons that they've made that are out there. But like yeah. I said,
1: I think Disney. There's Disney Kids. You know, there's PBS Kids. So like, based on what my granddaughters watch, it's like Sophia the First, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that that are that are clearly meant for kids, and that's that's great. But they're not the Cartoons with a with a grown up kind of tinge.
2: Are they any good though?
1: I you know Daniel Tiger has the same kind of nice messages as Mister Rogers' Neighborhood did. So it my granddaughter Addison, who's four, she loves it. Oh, and Kennedy, who's uh, gonna be seven, uh, used to watch Sophia the First a lot too. So see now, there's another
2: one that we we didn't mention, even though technically it's not a cartoon. Mr. Rogers,
1: did not he have cartoons on his shows? Uh, um, Sesame Street did. Okay, and I don't remember any on Mr. Rogers. They always did things on film. I don't think their budget was big enough for that. Well, he did the whole
2: uh, the train. That was yes, that was like the neighborhood the, of make believe. Right? Yeah, the side thing besides Mr. Rogers coming in and putting his sweater on. It was the yeah. Uh, but I'm thinking also the. Um, like the electric company wasn't a, wasn't a cartoon. It was like Sesame PBS.
1: Street, though. There were cartoons on there, yeah, like exactly. little segments, yeah, Yes, yeah. yes. So yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, Sesame Street is now. Uh, it went off a of PBS, and it's like streaming somewhere, but it was revolutionary in its time too. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's all we've got So we're going to wrap it up And uh, thanks for listening And we'll be back soon with To talk more about more stuff
2: Bye now
0: Here they come Warming up I hear the pitter patter Of little people On the living room rug Woe is me There goes the TV Now, it's Popeye and Pluto, Batman and Bozo. Don't spill the cornflakes, they'll break at lunch break. Home from the office, why did I stop to have a beer with the boys? Now, my head's about to pop a Saturday morning confusion. If you think you can sleep, it's illusion. Cause you probably get a rude intrusion from Harry the dog. Harry the dog is as big as can be. And Harry the dog had puppies last week. We couldn't tell if it's a he or she, now we know. It's a Saturday morning confusion. And if I could just get to the bathroom and get a cold rag and an aspirin to help, how I feel. But here come the twins and they're screaming at me. What is the deal? Who turned off the TV? Go ask your mother and quietly, your daddy is ill. There he is. My
1: name's David Inman. Thanks for listening. Break, See you later.
0: Hanging around my yard. Snooping in my garage I tolerate him because he's my cousin He's nice to the kids and Harry just loves it. It's a Saturday morning confusion And if I could just hide in the attic Cause I can hear my wife yelling Take him all to the show